All right, guys, you're tuned into the Dope Girls Pray Podcast. I'm your host, Kamisha H. You guys are tuned into Testimonies Tuesdays, and our special guest for tonight is my friend, Mr. Keith Tisdale. I am so excited um, for him to share his testimony on tonight. I, I have not heard anything yet, but I'm pretty sure that it's awesome. But this man is a man of God, and he's an amazing, an amazing worship leader. I always say he's my favorite worship leader and I stand by it. And it's true. This man has an amazing voice. He's anointed and he's called to do what it is that the Lord has called him to do. So, Mr. Keith, just welcome yourself to the, the listeners on the podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Um, I am extremely I am ecstatic. I am excited to be here. Um, as I was telling my sister earlier, this is my first time doing anything like this. So this is very exciting for me. Um, I consider it a privilege and an honor to even have the opportunity to share my testimony. Um, I am Keith Tisdale. I live in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I've been doing praise and worship for, oh God, maybe 15 years or so um, before I even really could grasp the understanding of what praise and worship actually was. Um, I've been singing in church almost my entire life. Um since about the age of seven so um i would definitely be what they consider a, a definitely a church body um <laughs> i i have i could before the pandemic hit i could literally count on one hand how many times i actually missed a church service wow. um of course we can't say that now you know because i know none of us never thought we would actually be at this point in our lives but you know, nevertheless, um, yeah, that that's about it. Singing all my life, been music all my life, um, played the organ, played the keyboard, all of that. Yes, sir. So, Keith, we're going to just dive right in um, to your testimony. I'm excited to hear this. I know that there's somebody that's going to be impacted literally by what it is that the Lord has brought you through or whatever it is. So we're going to dive right in. We're not going to delay it or waste any time. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and just share whatever you want to share as it pertains of your testimony. All right. Well, um, as I forestated, I have been singing a majority of my life before I even really understood the concept of who God was as my savior, who God was as my creator. Um, it started out as just something to do or something that I knew I could do. Um, I come from a family of singers. Um, my sister, God rest her soul, she was a phenomenal singer. Wow. Um, she passed away tragically at 15 um, oh, wow. from a murder. Wow. And um, I am, I had another sister named Valerie who also passed away of pneumonia. So wow. um, biologically, I am the um, only one um, that's left um, in my family. Um, so singing was something that my, uh, you know, my mom did it. My dad couldn't do it. God bless his heart. But, you know, my grandfather, <laughs> grandmother, all of them. So I've been in church all my life. I know church. And um, I remember um, growing up in the Baptist church. Um, before I went to Church of God in Christ, I remember towards maybe around the age of eight, um, I wanted more. Like, you know, I was used to doing everything by myself as far as, you know, they knew I could sing. So everybody would call me to do a solo or, you know, sing some type of it. I was I was really the only one on the Sunbeam Choir. I sung so much until when they called the Sunbeam Choir, it was just me. 
And I really, <laughs> and you know, at an early age, I really want to, you know, do more. So I remember I went to this Church of God in Christ church um, in a city near where I used to stay. And, um, you know, I was just very attracted to how the youth were so um, seemingly excited for God and, you know, everyone loved to sing. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, majority of my family went to that church and they can sing. So I ended up, you know, asking my mother for permission to join that particular church at the age of uh, nine. And um, she allowed me to join that church. And I've been coaching for a number of years. And then I remember I wanted to progress it seemed like the church was dying and you know i had just really gotten saved but prior to me being saved let me back up prior to me being saved um i dealt with depression most of my um so i was depressed um there was one point i was suicidal for a couple of years um and where i literally before really finding god for real because you know some of us you know we get saved but there's still yet another layer that we have to go through. Um, and, you know, back then, the older folks, they would say, you know, you got to get saved. You know, you just get saved. But they never told you how to live. They never really yeah. taught you how to live. It was one of those things where it was trial and error. So you had to learn on your own. Yeah. And I remember um, going through battling with depression, um, never being on any type of uh, pharmaceuticals as far as handling depression. But I can remember um, just singing in church, but, you know, not really wanting to be here, going to school, depressed, but nobody really knew what I was going through. There were a couple of times I tried to take my life and, wow. you know, God always had somebody around that would stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, you know, my mother would always tell me, you know, if you get saved, everything will be a whole lot better. So it's yeah. my understanding that, okay, you know, once I get saved, you know, everything in my life is going to just, you know, it's going to be better. Yeah. Everything's going to yeah. be good. Um, what they didn't tell, what they don't tell you is that your life might not, not necessarily be better from the fact that everything's going to be great. But um, I definitely have grown with God since... I didn't really get to know God for real or for real until I was like probably 17 or 18. Yeah. Um, so after um, going through battling with depression, battling with suicide, um, I got saved in the church of God. I got saved in church of God in Christ. From there, I came across another preacher who, after it seemed like church was dying, I came across another preacher who was a very expository preacher. She was very, um, she just made it the word makes sense. And you know, it was there where I started to gain an understanding. And it and in that, you know, because I was one of those kids, I didn't do anything. I didn't go to clubs. I didn't go to dances. Um, I, and, you know, I was one of those, you know, I was saved, saved. You know, mm -hmm. I took my salvation seriously. I was deep. I was really deep. Um, <laughs> to the point where later on, I realized I was self-righteous. Mm -hmm. Um. I remember like, you know, going through that whole season where I first got saved and all my friends was having babies and having, you know, sex and all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm not ashamed to say that I was a virgin until I got married at 28. Amen. Amen. And home. Um, but it was it was because I was scared to step out mm -hmm. of line with God. So I remember um going through 
when I first got saved, um, and when I first really got to know God at this this preacher I was under, a very expository preacher, um, my walk with God began to get serious, and I started realizing things about myself. Um, because you know, the word of God, it'll it'll get you together. Um, and it'll start, and when you really spend time with God, like when you really, really spend time with God, you'll understand that you know there's a lot of things that we do that god is not necessarily pleased of and just because i might be a person that i might okay i I, i've never been into drugs or um i've never had a struggle with uh sexuality or sex or anything of that nature but um that that made you know the church will make you think that there's a certain way you have to carry yourself um without really dealing with um, the actuality of your salvation. So, you know, a lot of us, we become uh, not necessarily delivered, but disciplined. Mm -hmm. And we figure that because we are disciplined, that means we are delivered, which is more than likely not the case. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was one time I heard a preacher say, some of y'all are delivered, but not disciplined. I'm like, well, they kind of go hand in hand. You know, you got to be disciplined to be delivered. But, you know, it's really different. You know, you got a lot of Christians in the church that are disciplined, um, but not necessarily delivered. Yeah. And um, because of that, it really it makes them feel that they're in a place with God that they're really not. Mm. Um, so and that was me um, because I was disciplined because I, I was one of those kids. If I saw a light bulb come on, if the oven came on and I felt the heat, I would instantly get depressed. Like, oh, God, I don't want to go to hell. Um, So it was one of those things where I was just, you know, I was taught you had to carry yourself a certain type of way. But it was not until I got to know God in my like 13, 14, 15, um, so on and so forth that I really began to understand um, and I took my relationship with God seriously. Um, and I started becoming a better praise and worship leader. Um, and you know, even going into my twenties, um, depression tried to come back and, you know, it seemed like kind of falling off a little bit. And, you know, after, you know, I, I spent years of not really defending myself. I would, you know, I've worked in church for a long time and, you know, no matter what, it, it it got to the point where church was almost like a kryptonite. Well, not a kryptonite, but uh, like a, a mask, everything that was really going on. So as long as I went to church and, you know, I sung and you get that good feeling or whatever the case is. And then when you leave church, you know, everything is the same. And, you know, I was just really living to get back to church because I figured, well, you know, I'm not a hurting church. But then one day I experienced church hurt. or yeah. I don't really call it church hurt. Just people in the church. Yeah. You know, that really took me through. And then that's it's almost like God took that sense of comfort for me when it comes down to church. And he had to do it because my relationship with God was built on the wrong things. And you know, a lot of us, you know, we go to church for a lot of the wrong reasons. We go out of tradition. Um, we're not really basing it on the fact that it's something that we it's we don't base it on the fact that it's a tool that we need to actually get close to God. We go out of formality. And that yeah. was that was that's was who I was as well. And God was showing me that about myself. Um it was not until I really hit maybe 25 where I really said, you know what, God, I need you to really 
do something with me because I was one of those praise and worship leaders. Nobody would believe it because, you know, I was very, you know, I, I carried myself in a way where I wanted to present myself wholly. Now, even though I had issues, I was constantly checking myself and I was constantly, um, I was constantly asking God to change me and help me. So as I fought my way out of depression and fought my way out of suicide and, you know, battled with weight up and down throughout the years and all that kind of stuff that contributed to a lot of things, um, God really began to show me a lot of things about myself as a praise and worship leader because I've, I've always done praise and worship. It has not mattered. And I've, I've worked in quite a few churches. It doesn't matter what church I go to. I can go in, and after I went to that whole church hurt season, I said, you know, I'm going to sit in the back. I'm not about to do anything. Um, I just, you know, I just, I need, Lord, I need time. I just need time. I don't want to sing. I don't want to preach. Um, and I had, at this time, I had been preaching for a while. And I'm like, I don't want to do none of that. I just want to sit in the back. But, you know, when you are called, no matter where you sit and no matter where you go, God's oil, God's anointing yeah. always shine a spotlight on you where you can't hide. Um, and it didn't, it never fails. I would either wind up, if somebody, somebody would know that I could sing and be like, oh, he can sing. And then somehow I would end up getting into the music department. And then somehow I would end up being over the music department without even trying. And um, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember when, like, there was one time I came when I moved to Columbia. There, there was a church I went to, loved, and I still love this church. I love this church with all my heart. It was a church I went to, and I sat in the back. And, you know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing, because at that point I was really done with church, but because I've been church all my life, I didn't know how not to sit at home. I tried to sit at home one Sunday and not go to church. It didn't work. I'm like, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go to somebody's church. <laughs> and um, it got to the point where, you know, I went to church and, you know, I sat in the back of the church and all that kind of stuff. And um, when I sat in the back of the church, I was sitting in the very back, um, you know, behind people who I could hide behind. And it never failed. The man of God came out of the pulpit, walked to the back of the church, and said, you can run, but you can't hide. I'm like, no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I said, I, God, I just want to be left alone. I just, <laughs> you know, sometimes we get hurt and, you know, we, we, we get stuck. You know, yeah. we get hurt and we, we, we decide to stay where we are. We don't try to progress out of what we're in. And I learned a long time ago that, you know, no matter what I've gone through, ain't no sense in trying to run from it. You know, you just got to go through it and understand that whatever you're going through, even as a young man growing up in church, whatever you're going through, understand that the feelings you're feeling is not, it's not permanent. Yeah. You know, it's temporal. And also understand that it's a distraction. And, you know, as a yeah. praise and worship leader, I have been very distracted. Um, there were times I was not as close to God. I, I had a real good look, you know, about myself. You know, I look saved, but there were times when I looked saved, I really wasn't saying, well, you know, saved, but not sanctified, not set apart. And um, during this time when I was in Columbia and I, I, I joined this church and I became over the music department, God began to show me more things about myself. And this, it's a funny thing about life. Like when you go through this, this, this yes, your initial yes with telling God, okay, yes, Lord, save me. 
Yeah. You don't know there's a, a whole lot of other yeses you got yeah. to give God. Love yes. <laughs> from that from that initial yes to that um to even now. And I'm pretty sure there's even more yeses I'm gonna have to give God. And there's more dying. That's why the Bible says crucify your flesh daily. Yeah, there's always on. something in you that has to die. Yeah. And going through the seasons I went through, I realized that there was something in me that was always dying. There was something in me that was always being put to the side. And um, I remember I didn't get the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, a lot of people think that you can get saved and get the Holy Ghost at the same time. That's not necessarily true. I didn't get yeah. the Holy Ghost. I got saved in my teens. I got the Holy Ghost in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, it was not until I, I received the indwelling of the Holy Ghost that, you know, stuff started to kind of make sense. And, you yeah. know, so when depression came and when suicide came, it's like a, a switch would turn on and be like, nope, I can't go that way. Or, yeah. nope, I'm not going down that way. Or, you know, even when I want to veer to the left, the Holy Ghost will pull me back to the right. When I want to go to the right, the Holy Ghost will say, no, you got to keep going forward. And um, I, I I thank God for that. And, you know, my testimony, is, it's long. And I realized that, you know, on this journey, you know, I know I've not been perfect, but I know that every day I'm striving to be what God has called me to be. And, you know, even now, like a lot of people look at me, um, even now, like, well, let me go back. Because during the time when um I'm while I was in Colombia, I'd always told myself because I saw what everybody else was going through in their marriage, I was one of those people I would never I was never gonna get married. Mm -hmm. I was it was never gonna happen for me. I just didn't I just didn't want it. And then God kind of blindsided me with that one too. It's like everything that I everything I said I was gonna do, God just made sure <laughs> that it went through. And um, my wife started out as a friend, and this is probably a part of my testimony that I ain't never told nobody. <laughs> um, me and my wife, we started as just friends. Now, this is all while working in church, and again, I I had a a strong desire not to displease God. So we started as friends, and you know, I was living in an apartment with um some friends of mine when I came to Columbia, and um everybody was dispersing and doing their own thing, and she was like, you know, let's you know we can get a house together, live there for a year, get ourselves together, and we can move. I said, sure. Now, she was just a friend, just a friend. <laughs> um, somehow, some way, in the initial moving of the house, you know, we realized we had feelings for each other. But legally, she was still married. Um, but she separated it. And I was like, I'm not, you can't open no doors until you close that one. Yeah. So we stayed friends, our main friend. We stayed in the same house. After she got her divorce, you know, we dated, but we dated with caution because I really did not want to fail God. So I slept yeah. downstairs. She slept upstairs. And we did that for two years. Didn't wow. touch each other or anything until after I got married because I was really serious. And a lot of people were like, there's no way you lived in a house with someone and nothing happened. Nothing happened. I had people I, around me. I have a friend, not to cut you off, that did it for nine years. Oh wow! They were they were together, and he went to my high school. Both of them went to my high school, actually. And they they their testimony is like on YouTube. It's like all over, and they talk about it. And they're they're like millennials like us. Mm -hmm. And they were together for nine years, and then you know once they got engaged a year later, you know they got married. Um, but literally, yeah, people are doing it, so it's yeah. it's not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it's very possible. It's just, it's. 
it's a discipline that you have to have. And, you know, I, you know, we got all the kind of the, the normal sayings like, um, you know, you're not supposed to be shacking, which first of all is not a biblical term, but anyway, um, you're not supposed to shack and this, that, and the third, but really the, the sin is not in the, the, what's shacking, the sin is in the, the, you know, the fornication or anything that you might do within there. It's not something I would recommend that everybody does um, as far as living together with the opposite um, sex. However, if you're disciplined enough and you love God enough, it is definitely, it can be done. Um, yeah. It can be done. It's not recommended, um, but it can be done. And um, it was after two years, you know, we got, you know, we got married and everything of that nature. We did everything the right way and everything. And, you know, one day I kind of sat back and looked like, you know what, God, you brought me through a, a whole lot of things. And, you know, I'm still yet asking God to help me with stuff. And, you know, I learned a long time ago, I dealt, I dealt with unforgiveness and different things that kind of uh, hindered me as a praise and worship leader. Cause you know, sometimes when we don't take the time to deal with ourselves, um, it, it causes us to carry stuff from years and we think we're fine, but we're really, we, we operate in church and we're really bleeding on the people without knowing that we're bleeding on the people. And then because we don't deal with ourselves, we offer up strange fire and we don't even, we don't even know that we're doing it. Um, and people don't believe that the transference of spirits are real and that, that, you know, you can, you can pass your hurt to people just by simply opening up your mouth. Wow. Um, and that's why, and I learned that because, you know, I grew up, my mother's a missionary, my father's a deacon, but, you know, I, I grew up around deliverance a lot. And so I understood um, my walk with Christ, even from a spiritual aspect, spiritual realm, demons and angels and all of that. And, um, and I understood that as a praise and worship leader, and this is my point, as a praise and worship leader, it was my job to deal with me first and before I would even get up behind the pool. Because there was one time when I took, you know, I took salvation seriously, but there was one time I could do praise and worship. And I mean, the spirit of God would move throughout the whole church and cuss you out if you made me mad all in the same time. <laughs> And I mean, I was, and I mean, put words, I mean, I was putting them together. I mean, I was, I was, <laughs> I was good at it. I was, when I say I was good, I was good at it. And um, there was parts of me to try to justify a lot. I mean, Lord, I ain't doing nothing else. You know, this is, this is it. You know, God, God is working on me, you know, God. But, you know, a lot of people, we stay in construction for so long. We say, I'm, a, I'm, I'm still in construction. And people been in construction for years or under mm -hmm. construction for years and never have any intent of actually coming out of what they're in. So I learned early on that I had to deal with my stuff. And, you know, even early on, I, I had, I was molested oh, wow. by a family member for oh, years. Wow. Um, nobody knew. And I, you know, for a lot of times I even questioned myself, like, you know, God, and that was another reason why I didn't want to get married. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, God, what if I'm what I know I'm not? Wow. And, you know, I was like, I didn't want to get married. Now, I was never attracted um, to the same sex. Matter of fact, I was scared of the same sex. I was scared anybody that was even remotely close to that. I was just absolutely terrified. I would have anxiety mm -hmm. attacks. Um, and I suffered with that for years until wow. God brought me and delivered me out of that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, now when people, they hear me singing, they're like, you're just so anointed sound that you sing like from a, 
what well, I don't know what place you sing from, but you just sing from a place. Um, when you have been through as much as I have been through, um, and you understand that it's not about you, um, and you get past and you and you take time to deal with stuff because you know a lot of times we let stuff fester and we let it take root. And, you know, unforgiveness and, you know, you have spirits that work together with each other. You start blaming yourself for stuff that you had nothing to do with. Jesus. Um, suicide comes from the spirit of rejection. And, yeah. and because you were rejected at some point. So now you, you're dealing with suicide and you're dealing with um, all these other things that, that you never did. And then some things you're dealing with because, um, you know, people wonder why it seems like they're a magnet for trouble. And it's not necessarily something you did, um, but somebody in the generation in the bloodline messed up and you know the bible says that you know that spirit will come and visit even the third and fourth generation and so there's some stuff that we're breaking off of our lives we didn't even put on us yeah um, come on teach us sir god has given us the power um through his word and through worship and that and this is this is i guess people say people have told me you were such an effective praise and worship leader well, I'm effective because I've taken the time to deal with myself and I'm effective because I've taken the time to understand that even though I'm not perfect, um, I don't make excuses for anything that I might mess up with. Because, you know, the way this world is going now, we don't know what God is going to do. We don't know when he's coming back. We, we yeah. know that the Bible is turning. Everything that's happening now is it's unfolding to lead up to the end. Yeah. Um, but the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. So yeah. we can sit here and make predictions that, oh, 2020 is rough. But prophetically, this ain't even what we have to look for yeah. in order to see the end. This yeah. I know a lot of people think, oh, this is it. This means the end is coming. No, this, this don't mean the end is coming. This no. ain't it. Mm -mm. And people don't understand. Let me cut you off for a second because God works in reverse. And so what we see in the natural is not what it is in the realm of the spirit. And so literally, I always use the example to explain this to people. Even when you look at the story of Moses and Joshua, when they were on the mountain and they were getting the tablets mm -hmm. and they were coming down. And so when they were coming down, you know, they were hearing the music and it sounded like the people were having a good time and they were down there worshiping the calf at this time. You know, Aaron didn't help them put this together and they were doing orgies and all types of stuff. And they're just dancing, having a good time. But Joshua said, but listen, because in the room of the spirit, it sounded like a wailing cry. It was a wailing cry. But even though when the natural looked like people were having a good time, but in the realm of the spirit, it was a wailing cry. And so literally, God, I thank you, Holy Spirit. Because you just said something and, and the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me when you said what you said, because even I didn't think about this until when you just said and prophecy comes in parts, because literally what you just said, people are saying that 2020, you know, it's, it's, it's like the end and that's it. And it's, it's so crazy because we forget that God works in reverse. And so there's something that's going on that the Lord is doing, even though in the natural, it looks bad. But in the realm of the spirit, we're winning. We really are winning yeah. because revival is coming. Revival is here, but it's really coming. We're, we're really about to see literally the hand of the Lord and the souls that are going to be coming in because of the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed, which was the conversion of the minds. And so literally, I'm, I'm so happy that the Lord gave that to you to release 
because it's so true. And people have to stop saying that because we speak in things, you know, as if they weren't and and it's not true. And our tongue holds life and death. And so the more that we're putting it out in the atmosphere, you know, literally we're calling more things when we should be working against it. You know, and so that is so important, you know, what you just said that, you know, people are saying it that it's the end and it's not. Yes, we are in the end times. Yes, this is true. However, you know, it's not here yet. <laughs> you know, it's not here yet because there's some things that we have to do. And I know this for a fact, people don't die until they fulfill purpose. A lot of us have not fulfilled our purpose yet. You know, there's some things that we have to do for the kingdom, not for ourselves. And if people really take the focus off of, off of themselves and really focus on what it is that God wants them to do, you know, we can kind of speed some things up here, you know, but go ahead, finish. Yeah, but you know, people people don't understand that we have the power. Like we have, we have the power. Um, the saints, we have the power. I've seen um, hurricane seasons. You know, down here, kind of, you know, South Carolina, hurricane seasons have had the potential to be really, really bad. Wow. And I remember this this past, well, not this past hurricane season, but maybe the hurricane season before this one. Um, it was a series of storms that were constantly forming in the ocean. It could have mm-hmm. been. The and it was forming in the ocean. It was like South Carolina was always on the radar. And I remember certain pastors standing together, and even my spiritual mother, they had prayers like, God, oh, turn it around, change this and the third. Yeah. Five storms before they even came to South Carolina, they were even category one. Come and on. Yeah, the meteorologist. Meteorologist. God just changed time. God. Yeah. God and, you know, a lot of times we take stuff like that for granted. We figure that, oh, if it doesn't happen, it's because God didn't mean it to happen. No, that's not necessarily true. Um, God has had different periods in the Bible where he has changed his mind concerning some stuff. Look at Hezekiah. He was going to take Hezekiah. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and said, God, remember. And God mm-hmm. added years to his life. Um, yeah. When it came down to children of Israel, they sinned so many times. And God had mercy. He changed his mind about them concerning so many times. Um, but just like the children of Israel, we should not take his grace for granted. We shouldn't take right. his mercy for granted. Um, Cause, and I, I don't remember the whole story. And so I dare not say the whole story, but God used the prophet to marry a harlot. Yeah. Yeah. So um, us, what Israel was doing to him. Mm. Um, like no matter how good he was to her, no matter how good the prophet was to the harlot, the harlot still chose to do the things that she was used to do. Like how yeah. a lot of us do, you know, we, we on this walk, you know, we get comfortable. We, and you know, it, and that was me at one time, you know, because I was skilled. Now, one thing I do believe as being a, a singer, I do believe in being skilled Yeah, as a singer. I do believe in mastering my craft. So I had mastered my craft learning where to put runs and placement and all of this type of stuff that's technical um, to the point where people was like, oh, you did such a wonderful job. And don't you know that I found myself um, years ago, I found myself looking for that. So what I would do, because I felt I needed that validation, which also came from a place of rejection. Yeah. Because I felt I needed that validation, what I would do, I'd be like, I hope I did a good job knowing in the back of my mind that they would tell me that, oh, it was wonderful this and third because yeah. I needed that. Um, and that's another way the enemy can distract you as far as your assignment is concerned. But, you know, going back to my previous point, you know, we have the power to change God's mind. 
you know, when prophecies come out, I think there was a there was a, a Caucasian gentleman, and he prophesied. While he was prophesying, I, I I knew it was God, and I felt everything he was saying. And everybody was like, "Oh, this is gonna happen. The dark days are coming." Yes, dark days are coming. However, prophecy comes to warn us yeah. so that we can put ourselves in a posture Come on. To where we can we can actually change God's mind. So where yeah. the spirit of murder and, and, and robbery and all of that stuff was released on the earth, God can literally, he has the power to be like, I was going to do this, but I'm going yeah. to change what I was going to do because you know, if my people who are called by my name yeah, come on. understand what the word is saying, and um, and this all coincides with my testimony. I, I had an understanding, I had to gain an understanding of the word in order to be an effective praise and worship leader. And um, then when I started uh being trained to be a minister, that was a whole nother fight all in itself because now I've mastered and I've become good at doing praise and worship. Yeah, God, I don't want to do nothing else. Right. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to preach. I don't want to. You know, every time somebody say you're going to preach, I would always say, "No, I'm not." I even told the prophet one time. He said, "God said you're going to preach," and I was like, "No, God ain't tell you that." Oh, I'm not. Because <laughs> you know, I saw what a, my spiritual mother went through and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, "Yeah, nah, God, it's one thing to it's one thing to forgive church folk. You mean to tell me you gonna chain me to these people for the rest of my life?" Jesus. Like, no, God, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, then God started leading me to other stuff. I, he started letting me see, because the word of God will, it'll show you the truth. Yeah, come on. Yeah. And um, he said, look at my disciples. You know, not one of them had a good death. All of them died in a horrible way, I think, except for like one of them. Um, but they all died horribly. They suffered for the, the, the gospel. But, you know, when they're, they're saying, I, you know, for God I live, for God I die, yeah. a lot of people are saying it, but they really don't mean it. Because yeah. when you fully give yourself over to God, even as a, any any capacity of ministry, when you give yourself over to it um, completely, you are basically telling God that you're okay with what comes. Yeah. You're okay with what goes. And I it was not until later on that I realized that everything I've been through, the depression, the suicide, the molestation, all of that, it was working together for this moment that I'm yeah. in right now so that I could be able to tell somebody, listen, you can make it through this. I don't care how gifted. Some, it's the most gifted and anointed people that experience the most pain and hurt. Yeah, come on. Um, and it's because of that. It's so that it can give authenticity to our testimony. Um, If we... Um, you know, even when it comes down to um, it was oh god, it was a, a singer that I heard that said that you know they dealt with a lot of health challenges, but God was bringing authenticity back to their testimony, or God was bringing authenticity. They always declared they were going to live, so they had moments where they felt like they were going to die, but it was bringing authenticity back to their testimony, and that's what a lot of us are going through now. God is bringing authenticity, all the stuff that's going on in the the earth. With everything that's going on in the world, he's bringing authenticity back to our testimony. Um, so everything that you went through, everything that we're going through, is to fortify who God has called us to be. Yeah. And um, so I I can look back on everything that I've gone through, and I realize, you know, I understand God why I had to go through. And, yeah. Um, I I thank God for it. And yeah. you know you you know that you have reached a place of forgiveness when you can forgive the one that hurt you and forgive yeah. the one. That, yeah. I can see that same family member at every family function 
and hug them like they never did anything to me. Yeah. Um, pray for them. Talk. Sometimes they call me on the phone. I talk to them, encourage them, pray for them like nothing ever happened because God, he took He took the sting out of it. Yeah. And, and you, uh, I, I, thank, I thank God for that. And, you know, we have to get to the point where we stop as as people of God and, and workers in the church and co-laborers in the gospel, we have to stop acting like we're okay with something where we're not. You have to deal with that thing, sit on that thing, deal with it, pray about it. Let God heal you from it so that you can be effective. And I had to let God heal me from it. Um, I had issues where I, I felt some type of way with God at one time because I felt like he had took my whole family. I'm the only one that's left. And um, I was mad at God for a long time because you know, some of the depression standpoints I dealt with, I'm like, God, why would you put me here to make me go through all this stuff? And you knew that it was going to hurt. And you knew that I was going to feel this way. And you expect me to still, you, you expect me to still proclaim your name great and still proclaim your name wonderful. When truth is, I don't feel that you've been that wonderful to me. Wow. And, but as I progress and I grow, I'm like, you know what, God, I see why you did what you did. And for whatever I have suffered and for whatever I've lost, um, I thank God for it. Um, you know, even the people I've lost, you know, they don't belong to me no way. They belong to God yeah. first. So yeah. his their lives was in his hands. So I had to, you know, I had to get, you know, I've, I've been through a, you know, it's so much more that I have seen and I have gone through. But I thank God for the mindset that I've always had to always try to rise above i i try not to stay stuck in what what ills me or i try not to stay stuck in what keeps me bound because there were some days i would try to do praise and worship and because that's the, the the basis of who i am i am a praise and worship leader there were some days that i would come to church i don't feel like doing it i don't feel like ushering nobody in the presence of the lord i don't feel like telling nobody to lift their hands um they're gonna leave out the same way anyway there ain't no need for me to even try to be up here talking to these people. And it's one thing to be a praise and worship leader. It's nothing, a whole nother thing to be a prophetic praise and worship leader. Yeah. So when you see stuff and feel stuff on top of going through what you're going through at the same time, there was days I wasn't feeling it. But I thank God that he always reminded me of why I'm doing what I'm doing and um, yeah. why I'm where I am. And, you know, so, yeah, that's that's the basis of everything that I've been through in a, a nutshell. But, you know, um, if I could leave something with somebody, just understand that no matter what you have gone through, it is all because God is making you and molding you into what he has for you to be. And, you know, that pain is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. You know, we look at pain like it's, it's, it's horrible. Pain is actually good. Pain pulls out um, the most in you. Pain pulls out the most in you. And sometimes God lets you experience pain to prove a point. Yeah. Um, I had... Uh, a, a physical issue where I've always had issues and you know thank God I'm I'm coming down with the weight now I was like 530 now I'm like 400 and something Amen. in a matter of a couple of weeks and um Amen. so I had a fall the other week maybe a couple, about a month and a half ago and um when I had that fall I now I, I carry myself real well for a big person I really do um I had that fall and I injured myself in the same knee that I always had issues with. And that first day was just horrible. That first week was horrible. And, you know, it was in that moment before I started the weight losing process. 
Um, because I told God I wanted to do it, but you know how a lot of us are. We say we want to do something, but we don't ever make the steps to actually do it. Yeah. Um, as if it's going to magically manifest. So um in the pain, it 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 helped me because you know, if you've ever seen my six hundred pound life, I don't know if anybody's ever seen that show from TLC, my six hundred pound life, you know, those people they feel like a prisoner in their own bodies. For a good three weeks, I I couldn't really do nothing. I couldn't really move, and I'm like, oh God, I don't, I don't like this. I feel like I I don't. I feel like I have no control. Yeah. Over anything, and I need help. I said, no, something got to change, and that's when I made the decision. You know what? I'm gonna turn my life around, not just in my spiritual walk, but just physically. Like everything about me has to be whole. Yeah. And um. So yeah, that that's basically it. So everything that we've gone through, it's it's for a reason. Yeah. And, um, you know, even I know a lot of people who probably will listen to this later. Listen to me now. Probably didn't know that um I dealt with suicide and molestation and all that kind of stuff. That's not something I really and I really have never told anybody that. Y'all are the first people, um, mm -hmm. other than my wife to really know all of that because that's one of those things I really don't talk about. Not because I'm not healed from it, um, because I just I just don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but you know what we're going through now, even in this calamity that we've we've seen in the world, it's all for a reason. I believe that with all my heart, that with all that pain that we have experienced, um, if you count you channel that into your prayer life, um, you can really come against some stuff and then understand what's working behind the scenes because yeah. with everything that's going on, there is there's a strong demonic force working here. Yeah, come on behind the scenes and when you understand how to really deal with that um you really you you'll know how to pray yeah. and, um, god gave me a crash course in deliverance when my son was dealing with a, a very strong demonic don't know where he got it from don't know where he picked it up from but it was just terrible um for about a year and a half in my home and um i saw it i saw it for the first time but it was from that situation that i grew and, you know, now and, you know, that was later on. But now I know how to pray. I know what to pray for. I know how to fight in the spirit because I know what's working behind it. So even yeah. when you see so even when you see the stuff that's going on right now, it's, it's a strong demonic force that has been released on this earth as of right now. And as people of God and saints of God, we have to we have to stop being so distracted by what's going on in the media and what's going on. Yeah. in the because if the devil can distract us, he knows that we can't harness the power that God has given us to stop him from what he's doing. So all this stuff with the president and coronavirus, even the coronavirus, yes, it, you know, that that's the spirit within itself. However, um, we have the power to change what is going on in prayer. God tells us so. So, yeah, that's. Yeah. That's it for me. That's that's my testimony. <laughs> Amen. You know, Keith, that was that was awesome. It was amazing. I had wrote down a couple of things that I wanted to touch on that you said that was that I deemed to be very important because one of the things you said was de deliberate, um, but disciplined. Well, not deliberate, but disciplined. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to you because you know I talk about my testimony very often of how I used to practice Islam. And when you said that, that's that was literally my life. You know, it was like the 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 things that I had suffered with spiritually, like the demonic forces that might have not been, you know, manifesting, but they were like there. But they mm -hmm. were like because, you know, you have on a mask. That's I call it what is you mask it. You know, mm -hmm. they don't really come. They don't really show. And so basically 
it was like you learn how to discipline them. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it's so true because like I was just sitting there and I was looking back at myself and I was like, that was me because when I finally came out of the garment, then all of them just started like manifesting, you know? And I was like, well, I'm confused because I didn't suffer with the spirit of assassin the 13 years that I was covered up as a Muslim, meaning like, you know, the, the, the spirit of harassment coming from the spirit of assassin. So why am I feeling, you know, harassed now? Why do I do I feel fearful now where for 13 years I didn't feel like this? You get what I'm saying? I didn't feel those those. It was just different things that were like coming out. Now I'm I'm suffering with Well, I was suffering with wanting to drink sometimes when I go out. Different things where when I was practicing, you know, Islam, I never did those things because I disciplined myself, you know, literally. So it was like, you know, because of the discipline, you know, I didn't do anything. And I was kind of like you, you know, with with the self-righteous type of thing and, and the ideologies and the attitude and very judgmental with people, you know, if you didn't follow the rules, you know, then you really wasn't a part of what we believed and all of that. And it was just so crazy because when you said it, I can identify because I was never delivered. Mm-hmm. I was never delivered though from those spirits. It was just, I was just disciplined. And so right. that is true because that is a lot of us. Um, I even see it now. There's a lot of people that suffer even from the spirit of religion. You know, where they could be, you know, disciplined in other areas. They may not fornicate. They may not, you know, consume alcohol. They may not, they may not, they may not. But when it comes to the spirit of religion, you know, they can't even talk to people, you know, because they're so, because the spirit of religion, it comes with tradition, you know, habitual habits, you know, works, 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 but there's no relationship. There's no relationship because if you truly have relationship, the spirit of religion cannot live there. There's no way. There's no way. So a person can't say, well, I can, you know, be like nobody's not saying because there's a difference of the spirit of religion and striving to be religious. Like we all are striving to to be religious to an extent where, you know, we want to follow the commands. We want to please God. But if it's to the point that you're so focused on following the rules, but you don't have a relationship, that's a spirit of religion. Right. You know, so that is important. And even you were saying, um, the, about the pain, you know, and, and literally pain births purpose. You know, sometimes the Lord knows I got to I gotta hurt you to move. And mm-hmm. it's not because I want to, but it's because if I don't do something to make you uncomfortable, you're never going to move. So he does it even in relationships. Sometimes we'll even stay in relationships that we have no business staying in and we'll know it like this man is no good for us. This woman is no good for us. You know, it's a hindrance. It's a bondage. It's entanglement as the the word that they're saying right now, literally, that's what it is. And we won't move. And so the Lord will have to do something, even if it's to turn that person against us to hurt, you know, just for us to move because had they not did it, we wouldn't have never moved. And that's what I I experienced that even with, you know, certain churches I was a part of and not even a part of. But, you know, um, I started something a couple of years ago where I would help different churches out with, uh, you know, their music departments and all of that. And, you know, there was sometimes I would get, you know, God would say, help, don't be a part, just help and keep going. And because I got comfortable with the people and I was like, you know, they just seem very nice. Um, and I would stay there and it's like, God would tell me to move. I wouldn't move. So he would allow stuff that, 
you know, my name was never nowhere. I was never nowhere around. Somehow stuff is popping up all out the world. Stuff I ain't never said. Stuff I ain't never did. Stuff. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? Now, God, I'm not a dramatic person. Now, what is going on here? And then God remind me, didn't I tell you not to stay? Yeah. And he'll let stuff come out. This is why I'm telling you not to stay. Look at look at who they really are. Yeah. yeah. And um, so he he would let stuff happen. And it'd be stuff that don't make no sense. Even when you, like how you say relationships, when you in friendships, you know you're not supposed to be in because the person, they were good with you. Because sometimes we outgrow the people that are around us. Yeah. Especially if they're not going in the same direction. I have friends who I used to hang out with every day. And then when they start going in different directions, then God will start separating us because yeah. we're not going in the same direction. And, you know, stuff will start happening for some reason. Either I won't think about them to call them. They won't think about me to call me. And it's, it isn't ever sometimes it's not even anything bad. It's just, you know, some type of way. And you know, it's God because it don't even make no sense. Yeah. How y'all even stop talking. It, it yeah. just don't you don't even understand what happened. You just stopped. But, you know, it's God's will. Because yeah. sometimes people only love you if they can see where you're going. But the minute that you get too far ahead, then all of a sudden, now you're the problem or you're up with you or something is wrong with you. You prophesying. You know, so that's why, you know, in this walk with God, if you really make a commitment, you know what? I want to get closer to God. I want to, you know, I, I really, I'm really taking this thing seriously. People, my circle has changed at least a couple of dozen times in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, people who I'm like, oh yeah, we going out to eat this and the third. And then, you know, it got to the point my circle changed so much. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be bothered. I just rather, you know, I just want to be by myself. And, yeah. you know, and that's the place God wants a lot of us at. Because, you know, a lot yeah. of us, we have issues with dealing with ourselves. Yeah. We're not good with being alone. We're not good yeah. with being on our own. And people being around us, they mask what's really going on with us yeah. it's not until you get by yourself that god can really deal with you so yeah yeah and i had suffered with that for years like the the issue of being alone um i suffered with that for years and literally when before the lord even had gave me this assignment to to do this podcast the lord had to deal with me in that area because for for the past year not this year but the the, the last year the Lord was already purging me, you know, before I even got the Holy Ghost, the Lord was already purging me, you know, of, of different things because I made a decision because that's something else you said, you know, it's a, a second. Yes. And, and it's it, this, the second. Yes. Is for the call. The first. Yes. Is for salvation. But the second. Yes. Is for the call. The second. Yes. Is not for us. Even though it's the first. Yes. Isn't for us either. But the, but the first. Yes. You do need it because you, you want to get to heaven. But the, you don't have to walk into who God called you to be. You have a choice. You could just be a regular saint, just go to church and go home. You know, even though whatever warfare that's assigned to it, it ain't going to stop because it's assigned because of who you're, you're called to be. But the second, yes, you know, literally people don't understand. And I have to say this because the Holy Ghost, every time that you give God another yes and you go up another level, there's another break in. Mm -hmm. there's another breaking there's another breaking because sometimes some people think there's a yes and that's it you get the broken the one time and that's it but the higher you go up the more mm -hmm. that you desire the lord the more you press deeper in the lord the more you say god i want more of you there's another breaking as he elevates you so every time you go from if you stand in, in any part of the fivefold you know even if you're elevating from evangelist to prophet 
you know, literally, and I'm talking about when the Lord calls you, not because people said, you know, right. I'm going to call you this. I'm talking about when the Lord calls you, you know, there's a breaking that has to happen. There's a stripping more because you know why? To, to whom much is given, much is required. There's more of you that, that has to die now. There's more of you that you have to give to this call. And so literally the Lord has to strip you and it does yeah. not feel good. It oh doesn't my. feel good. And so literally, because and this is why I'm always big on this. And I know some people say, oh, she always know. I be trying to save people sometimes because I see it so often. People walk into rooms that they wouldn't. And I mean rooms, R-E-A-L-M-S, that right. they were never called to. And what happens is you inherit the warfare of that realm. Right. Literally, you play in a realm that does not belong to you can die. You yeah. will die. You know, you can't because you know why? As you go up, the, 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 the demons go up too. They start sending stronger ones out because you're a threat. You're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, and so literally, you know, people don't understand because the ones that play around and they call themselves apostles, bishops, prophets, and everything else, you know, and, and they literally, they're playing, first of all, it's strange fire because you said that too. But another thing is too, they put themselves in another fire that they don't, they're not ready to handle. Because one thing that God does is when he calls us to something, he prepares us. It's a training ground. So like even everything that you went through, that was a training ground. All of that stuff that you went through was training grounds. It was all for a reason because why the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are what called to mm -hmm. his purpose, who are called to his purpose, meaning God called you to his purpose, meaning God's purpose, not our purpose, because sometimes we misconstrue that we turn God's purpose into ours, like as if it's ours. So, you know, literally it's all about us when it was never about us, but it was always about Jesus. Always. And so literally, you know, people, it, it, we even see it in this time that it's a sickness. It's been happening, but we've seen it more when the pandemic hit. You know, with now because everything is online. I didn't I didn't never seen so many online churches in my life. And I mean like living room ministries, like you know, literally, and I'm not I'm against it. like if the Lord called you because I know some people, you know, that the Lord has called and especially is 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 rising up, you know, in this season, and they don't have all of that stuff because you know, and right now that's not what it takes, and literally, because that's why he shut everything down. But I'm talking about the ones that's just doing it because they want the attention, they want the money, you know, they want the, the they they want the things that they think that comes with it. But people don't understand the price that people have paid. Even people that's not walking in God's purpose and they're just walking in, you know, what it is. But God has given them grace. Like look at certain millionaires. If you hear their their backstories or people that ended up being famous, and I'm not talking about the ones that sold their soul, you know, but literally. <laughs> You know, maybe they haven't got, they haven't went on a Damascus road yet. They haven't met, you know, who Jesus really is yet. They're just like on their journey. People had to give up things. Look at Tyler Perry. He was sleeping in his car. He was yeah. homeless. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us don't know what it feels like. And even you said something when you were talking about 
um, the disciples and, and literally what they went through, you know, to, to, to like how they died. That's what you were talking about, how they died. And I was reading in Hebrews. I remember the Lord took me um, to Hebrews one weekend. He had me sit there and read, you know, from, from chapter to chapter, sentence to sentence. And literally I sat there and I cried and it was my spirit that cried because it was a cry that did not come from me. And I cried because when I read and, and the word was speaking about how some of the prophets never even seen the promise. And the Lord rebuked me because he said, you've been chasing prophetic words. You've been chasing prophetic words and you're being distracted from your assignment. And that's many of us. Because many of us, we're so, oh, Jesus, help me. Our ears are so itchy. We want to hear about us. We want to hear what the Lord is going to do for us. And then we marry these prophetic words. It's nothing wrong with wanting to see something come to pass. But if it's to the point that you're distracted from your assignment, you are not sent here for just the blessings for you. Yes, the Lord is going to bless you while you're here. That's fine and dandy. But you are here on assignment. You are here to help other people. Even with our gifts, we abuse our gifts. Your gift was never for you. Your gift right. was for other people. It was to help other people. And so literally, as I'm reading the Hebrews even more, and, and they're breaking down literally all of the prophets that God made promises to that they never saw. And he's speaking about Abraham. Uh, he was promised to be the father of many nations. He never saw it. But it still came to, to pass. God still made him a promise. And he is the father of nations, but he never saw it. And so literally, that's what the Lord was rebuking me on. It's not that you are, you know, excited about a word. But it's the thing is, are you still going to love me the same if you never see it? Mm -hmm. If and you never see it. And you have to understand that however God works it out, God is working it out for a reason. Um, you know, a lot of us, we get prophetic words because we need a sense of validation for, yeah. for some void that we might be going through at the time. And without understanding that prophetic words are nothing more than, they're nothing more than confirmation. Right. So when you hear, if God said, like, you know, for example, if God said, oh, woman of God, I hear the spirit of the Lord saying that you're going to, that God's going to bless you with a house. Now, you know, your credit jacked up. <laughs> so because of that, God's time to get a house. Okay, so that means that He's gonna be with me in the building of my credit and the in the in paying off these bills and these loans. So that is your opportunity. That's your time to get into position so that you can receive what God has. But yeah. before we complete the first word, we we go to these different prophetic conferences because we want validation for something or for someone. Or because someone said that we're not going to be somewhere. So if a prophet calls us out and say, you're a great woman of God, I showed them. You know, a lot of people, right. you know, they, 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 we don't realize that that stuff, the, that's going from church to church, seeking prophet words, going from conference to conference, getting on certain people's lives. who so you know, a prophetic and, you know, we'll say stuff, say stuff over and over, hoping they'll see us so that they'll prophesy to us and stuff of that nature. That hunger for prophetic words comes from a void, from a seed, from something. That is going on on the inside of you that you need to ask God, Lord, what is it in me that wants validation? Because that's that's really what it is. We want validation. But we have to learn to just let however God's going to work it out. Let God work it out the way he's going to work it out, because this way is pure. If you look at even back when Moses, like I think you said it, even back when Moses, he was promised that he would see the promised land. Now, God never told him that he would lead into it, but he promised him he would see it. So even after Moses disobeyed God, um, Moses said, God let 
God said to Moses, I'm still going to let you see it. But for what you've done, I can't let you walk into it. But I am going to let you see it. And he's let Moses see it and even told Moses that Joshua is going to be your uh, he's going to be the next one in line. And because God knew that there was a certain level of obedience that he needed in order to carry out that word. Because oh, wow. when they got to the wall, when they got to Jericho, there was a harlot in Jericho by the name of Rahab. I believe that was her name. Her name was Rahab. And um, if it had not been for Joshua doing what God said, listen to me. If it had not been for that, Rahab is the great, 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 great grandmother of David. And David is it was by david's lineage that came jesus so everything that you're going through is designed to bring about a bigger purpose it, it doesn't matter what it is we just gotta learn but you know a lot of other times when people want prophetic words is because we're we don't allow god to do what he says gonna do we think we can rush god so we already have an image in our mind of what we feel God is going to do. And we run with that image versus praying to God about what he really meant when he said what he said. Yeah. Um, God, God might've said, okay, you're going to get a car. He didn't tell you that you were going to go through a season where you're going to lose a car. You're going to have no car. Your car, you're going to break down. Um, God's yep. going to get a house. He didn't tell you that your house is going to go into foreclosure. Yep. And this, this is another, this is another part of my testimony. I remember I had bought my first brand new car ever my first brand new car I was i and when i went to the dealership i was so faithless wow. i was real good and saved and sanctified at this time but i was so faithless because so many bad things had happened and i'm yeah. like you know what god if you do it you do it and i i mean it but I, I say if you don't i'll still praise you <laughs> but there was there was there was some bitterness in there because i was like okay so you want me to suffer fine god i'll suffer till you come I'll just suffer to you, Tom. And um, I remember going to the Nissan dealership, and there was a, a, a saved salesman. It's funny how God works. He'll put wow. somebody in your way. He was very safe, happy, safe, happy little safe man. He was so happy, he was getting on my nerves. And, uh, <laughs> he came to me, and he said, you ready to get a car today? I said, I guess. And my eyes was like, you know what? I want that, Um, there's a Chrysler 300 at the, the edge of the dealership. It looks cheap. Let me get that. He said, do you want it because it's cheap or do you want it because you feel that's all you can afford? I said, mm -hmm. and I told him I want it because I feel that that's really all it's going to do. That's really all God is going to do. Wow. It was like, come sit in my office. Well, I sat in his office, whatever the case is, and he ran my credit and whatnot. I'm like, all right, we're going through some stuff. And um, he was like, I got good news. I can't put you in that one, but I can put you in a brand new one. I said, okay, cool. Sure, that's fine. I still didn't have no faith. I was like, what kind of car is it? So he said, it's that car out there. So I'm looking, and I'm like, the white one? You know, the one that looked like it's something from Enterprise? He was like, no, that one behind you. Now, I'm still looking beyond the car that he's talking about. He's talking, I'm like, you talking about that red one out there? He said, yeah, it's red, but the one that's sitting right behind you. He was talking about the fully loaded one in the showroom floor. Wow. And I was like... I said, you can't put me in that car. I said, you cannot put me in that car. He said, oh, ye of little faith. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll believe all that when I see the paperwork. So he brought the paperwork back. And sure enough, I, I had to wait a whole two days because it was late. And they had to give me a loaner car because they had to move cars out the way to get mine out the showroom. Wow, come on. It is. 
That was a high point in my life. And someone prophesied me and said, God's going to give you another new car. Wow. I'm like, well, I don't really want another new car. So it got to the point, no, before that, somebody said after three months after I got the new car, God's going to bless you with a truck. I said, no, nah, I don't need a truck. I just got a car. But God showing sure up gave me a 2009 Tahoe just as an extra vehicle. And didn't know years later, now mind you, the word is said, God said he's going to give you another car. Mm -hmm. I had gone through some things with jobs, whatever the case is, and I was it was really a kind of kind of rough time. But things were coming together, but they were coming together a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. So it got to the point where the car that God blessed me with, and I knew it was him, the car that he blessed me with, I ended up losing the car. The car wow. got repossessed. And I was like, at this point, now I was faithful at this point. I was like, God, you know. You know. And that I lost it right before Christmas of last year. Two days before Christmas, I get a call. And when I get the call and I was I was being faithful to God, I was still blessing him. I was like, Lord, whatever was going on, you're going to fix it. Now, at this point, you know, everything I had went through, I said, God, if you did that at my low point, I was like, God, if you did that at my low point, I know you're going to do something at my high point. So it got to the point where and still talking about prophecy, still talking about, you know, letting God do what he's going to do and didn't know that someone was watching me and was like, um, I need you to come down to some town, not to say the name of town. I need you to come down to some town, some dealership, and I got something for you. So I had my son drive me in my truck down to the dealership. When I got to the dealership, the man came out the yard. He came out of the store, and he was like, you must be Keith. I said, yes. Well, no, he said, you must be Elder Keith, because I guess that that's who they knew me as. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And he said, congratulations. I said, congratulations on what? Handed me the keys to a brand new 2019 Malibu that I didn't pay for. And I was like, so you need to tell me this is I'm telling, I said, so this is mine. He said, this is yours. Wow. The person paid for the car. What? This My God. And you know, I've had points now, everything that God has given me, I got it at a low point. I got my house with no job, still in the same house. Um, I got the first car, my first brand new car with no job. Wow. Lost that one and God gave me another car. Now the Tahoe kept that, still got that. And then somebody else, even though, and then when that went down, somebody was like, come get my truck. So y'all would have two cars. And wow. So you got it. So still dealing with the whole prophetic, you got to let God do yeah. what God is going to do. Yeah, you can't, you can't just be running after prophetic words. Stuff. Listen, yes. God said He's gonna take care of you. He's gonna take care of you. All you gotta do is stay faithful to the cause and stay faithful to what He says. And like, and this is all balls into understanding what's working behind it. Because the devil comes to make you distracted. Because yeah. he understands that there is that in distraction is where the devil has the power. In your faith is where you have the power. So if he can distract you long enough. He can cause you to forfeit what God is trying to do. Come on. And that's what he's, and that's what, that is literally what, and God told me, I was sleeping one night, and God said the enemy is trying to wear the saints out. And um, he started showing me all this stuff, all this destruction. But then on the other side of it, it was a dream I had, there was a, a, a peace. And that's when God said, this is not the end. Mm. This is not the end. I'm setting it up. This is the stage that I'm setting up. And you said it, 
you said it earlier about the revival that God is speaking. He's setting the stage for one of the greatest moves of God that this nation has ever seen. Come on. And that's what we're in now. That's why there's people, there's getting, I mean, there's there's going to be such a shift when this thing is over, even in the music industry. And this is what God showed me. There's going to be a shift. Names that were once popular that forfeited what God said because they allowed stuff to get to their head. God is getting ready to shift it to where people who didn't have much of a name are getting ready to have a name. Preachers who didn't really have much of a name, but they weren't in high demand. Jesus. This pandemic has shown people that they are the ones with the power. Jesus. And so everything, going back to prophetic <laughs> word, if he said it, he got to do it. But it's the devil's job. And God said the devil is trying to wear the saints out before you make it to the promise. Because wow. he understands that his time is limited. Yeah. And this next season that we're getting ready to walk into. I, now I'm not saying that God told me this part, but I really believe that everything with the pandemic is going to be over right before 2021. Now, I'm not saying that's what God said. That's just what I feel. Because I really feel like, and I know a lot of people say this, like people said this year, oh, 2020 is the year 2020 vision. They didn't necessarily lie. We definitely do see clear now that God has moved all this stuff out of the way. <laughs> yes, we do. So... Yeah, after you know, we because I really some I know a lot of people realize you know what my relationship with God was based upon me going to the building, yeah, and not about what I did personally with my own relationship on what's going on on the inside, yeah. And um, you know, I think God, I have a real relationship with God where I don't have to be in the building now. I do miss the assembling of the saints, I do. However, I think my relationship with God is not built upon what's going on in the building, but just going back to you know, just prophecy and not chasing behind prophecy you gotta let god do what he's gonna do but we also have to remain focused and remain yeah. connected to him while he's doing this because you know every morning i get up i'm not just praying for my house i'm saying god i rebuke the, the robber and the murderer out of yeah. my neighborhood cover my yeah. whole neighborhood yeah let the blood cover every street every side street um we got we got to learn how to, to fight this thing in prayer not just in our emotions yeah yeah, amen. This was good. So in closing, Keith, can you sing us a little something? Sure, <laughs> I definitely don't mind. <laughs> Lord, I haven't sung in a while. Okay. So um <laughs> as the deer panted for the water does my soul long if after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Oh, you alone. All my strength and shield, Lord, you alone does my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you greatly. Thy faithfulness, yes, Jesus. great is thy faithfulness, 
morning by morning new mercies I seek and all I've ever needed your hand has already provided great is thy faithfulness oh lord unto me yes lord amen 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 such yes. an anointed man of god absolutely absolutely I um i am yes lord i am so excited um, just to see the things that God is going to do in your life, to continue to do in your life and how he's going to use you for his glory. Um, eyes have definitely not seen or nor ears have heard. And I'm just so excited um, just to see it. You know, I pray that I'm, I'm still here to see it when it when it manifests. The manifestation happens on earth because as it is in heaven, so mm -hmm. shall it be on earth. And so it's already performed in the heavens and we're just waiting for the manifestation. I thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your testimony and being brave. I always say it, you know, this is a, a, a brave moment, you know, to, to share some things like how you said, it's not always talked about because sometimes there's no point. Sometimes it's good to say before when there is a reason, you know, to, to speak about it. And so even with it being said, though, too, there's liberty. I know there was some freedom, you know, yes. that had taken place even within yourself. And I know people have gotten freedom even just from hearing somebody related it, even with the replay, the visual and the audio. Somebody's going to get the healing and deliverance that they needed, that they're looking for. And the Lord's going to send this. And I declare and decree that he send this podcast literally in the airways to put it on the hearts of someone that may have suffered literally with the same thing. And the Lord uses this as a means for someone to get free yes. in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And so we thank you guys for tuning into the Dope Girls Pray podcast. Make sure you guys come back on Thursday for the Millennials Corner. We're going to actually have my sister, my blessed sister, um, who's going to be on here. And she's going to be talking about her brand and her business and the things that she's doing for the community. Um, so you guys make sure you come back on Thursday for the Millennials Corner and you guys were just tuned in to the Dope Girl Spray Podcast. I'm your host, Kamisha H. And you guys were just listening to Testimony Tuesdays with Mr. Keith Tizell. We'll see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.